Dime Flame. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Flame. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Fandom. Hey, guys. Welcome back to episode two. Huge shout out to our cover artist for this episode, Pudding Pong. Absolutely go to our website and have a look at her amazing BDSM art. And then make sure to click through to her portfolio and see all the rest of her art. Mm-hmm. The reception for episode one was absolutely incredible. Mind-blowing. And we want to make sure to thank you right now up front for that. But also, we're going to be talking about a little bit more at the end of the show. And we're going to get a little schmoopy, I'll tell you right now. So if you are uncomfortable with being told that you are wonderful, know that there's probably a little bit at the end that you'll want to just be uncomfortable through. (laughs) It's like, you know me. (laughs) Uh, This week's theme is BDSM. And we're introducing a new segment called Kinksploration, where we take something kinky and dive into it. So fair warning, we are now going to be saying cock on this podcast, which we didn't the first time around. So this is your warning to make sure that your phone, Spotify, wherever is not connected to the Bluetooth speaker downstairs where your grandma's trying to watch The Young and the Restless. I'm very sorry, grandma, but here's where the cock comes in. If you're in a place where you can't listen to sexually explicit content, this might not be the episode for you to listen to right now. Because after Kingsploration, where our amazing guest, Ashes0909, talks with me and Flame about our fic held and BDSM, Flame and I are going to be doing a Let's Talk segment on BDSM AUs, which takes a kink dynamic and broadens it into a biological imperative. Then we're going to, well, how do I say this? I have some feelings and I'm going to get on a soapbox and talk about them. Then we're going to hear from you guys. We're going to introduce a new segment called Stony Secrets. We're also going to tell you about this incredible resource that the folks in the Discord server have helped us create for all of you. And we will end our time together, as always, with our events forecaster, Marie. So let's get started. here today with my very own co-host festive ferret but also with a very famous writing partner of hers ashes 0909 who you may know as being the co-authors of the long-running bdsm series held and we are going to absolutely talk about held and there's lots of conversations to have about held including not the topic and the content alone, but also the process of collaborating. And we want you guys to know that Ashes is gonna join us again in a couple episodes, and we're gonna talk then kind of about the structure and the process of being collaborators. But today, these two people that have kind of immersed themselves in thinking about BDSM and fandom in particular, are gonna chat to us a little bit about that process. So, hello guys, thanks so much for joining us. Hi. It's weird to be on this side of the microphone if you will Ooh, I hope I hope it still works okay <laughs> I think we'll get through I think we'll we'll muddle so because Farrah and I we've already kind of told our origin stories Ashes would you mind sharing with us kind of how you got into Marvel and and that process sure um so I've been into different fandoms probably since I was about 12 
And obviously that predates Marvel or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least. And uh, when it came to getting into Marvel, it was actually that I watched the movies, especially uh, the first Avenger and Avengers. And I really got into the characters, but I didn't really get hit by fandom feels, I would say, until... I was just scrolling through Tumblr and kept seeing all of these like great pieces of like fan art and fan vids and just people really like interpreting the the different dynamics of the people um, and the characters. And I ended up going from like, oh, well, what's all this to kind of feeling like that was starting to interpret how I was watching movies. And then once that happened and I started actually seeing these characters in a more romantic way, I, um, I had been in another fandom pretty hard. I was in Supernatural um, right before Marvel. And how I usually work with fandoms is that I get really, really into them and then it kind of fades away. And then in that fading away period, I'm usually looking for another fandom. And I remember just like wanting to be really involved in another really active, like plenty of fan works, plenty of media and finding um, Marvel just kind of there. And at the time I was walking a lot, like I, I lived in a city where I was walking to and from work a lot and I was walking home from work and I just like got this idea of like, what if like Pepper Potts saw uh, the people that really famous People magazine um, photo shoot where uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. are kind of like kissing each other's cheeks and like acting like really, you know, stony-ish. And I remember seeing that, that was like a real photo shoot. And I remember seeing that and just being like, there's a fanfic here. And like, once I started thinking that way, I was just like, like completely into the fandom. I was just like, I see, I'm now seeing them act in certain ways and being like, I'm gonna write a story on this. And that's what got me like into the writing part of the fan fandom. And then once that happened, the fandom itself ended up being so like large and communal and very welcoming that I just kind of found myself being active on Tumblr. And then there was like this big community on DreamWorks that I remember seeing running event or DreamWorks. So I remembered seeing like running events and I was like, oh, maybe I can try getting into some of these events. And then because the fandom itself had so many good resources, it was really easy just to fall so heavily into it. Um, and then that was around 2016. Uh, and now it's, gosh, 2020. So I kind of haven't quite emerged from just this like constant, um, just supportive group of people who just kind of foster new ideas. And you're like, oh, I never even thought to think of like that dynamic, like now I want to delve into it and write it or, and just things like that. Um, it it kind of just self-perpetuates itself in, in like keeping me really interested and keeping me really active and, uh, and things like that. So then if a lot of fandom for you, it sounds like is this idea, which I think it is for a lot of us of taking these folks and, and answering the question, what if with them, what led you to what, what if Tony was a, was Steve's Dom? Like, where did that, where did that kind of enter in? Is BDSM already something that you were reading about? Like, where did that kind of come from? Yeah, I would say that like BDSM has always kind of been a, um, aspect of fanfic that I've enjoyed. Like when I was, I mean, even when I was younger and I was kind of 
coming of age, you know, under trying to understand my own interests, like sexually and things like that, I definitely found myself very um, drawn to fix that had power dynamics uh, and things like, um, I, I mean, in Harry Potter is one of my main fandoms and there's just rife for power dynamics when you have a school setting sort of deal. And like, I was very young and I wasn't really realizing that what I was reading was BDSM. I just liked the dynamics that the characters were doing and I found it very appealing. And so I was clicking on them more. So when it came to my, like my, and this was before I was even writing, like I was just reading at that point. And then when it came to writing, I found myself very interested in that dynamic as an individual, you have like, um, you have your life and your life can be very hectic or it can be very structured. And I always was very intrigued by, by the dynamics of Steve and Tony because I saw Steve as being this like man who had to give orders and had to lead his, like the Howleys and had to like kind of always be in control, especially when he was, you know, in a war and he was an actual captain and, and he was always the one responsible for his team. And I saw that the appeal of somebody with that level of responsibility to, in a sexual setting, just be able to completely let go and to not have to make any of the choices and to just be able to look towards somebody else to trust in them and have the love in them to know you're going to take care of me and I'm going to like find satisfaction in just literally doing what you want within the, you know, prescribed rules of, of that relationship or the dynamics and, and um, com communicated boundaries of that relationship. I can just let go. And I know that you're just going to take care of me and give, take me to a place that's orgasms and amazingness. And, and like, maybe I don't have to think about what's going on with my team and the battle that's going to happen in like three days. I can just think about sitting here on my knees, sucking your cock. And like, it doesn't have to, it, it allows that sort of very controlled person to let go. And then on the flip side, I, I kind of saw Tony as this, person who was very frantic like he just had so much going on he's running a business he's he's kind of like he's got a lot of control in his like personal life but he also is very um I kind of view him as very not frantic but just there's a lot going on and he doesn't just get to like focus on one thing he has to be somewhere else pepper is taking him here or he's across the world or all of a sudden the stock market's crashing and you know there's just a lot of like things that he has to do and I saw with that character, like the ability to, to see, cause in, in held, he notices Steve looking at handcuffs that he has on his arm that are connected to the Iron Man briefcase. And the, like, I, I saw him seeing Steve's interest in that and like kind of being like, well, I can, I can like take this and see where it can go. Um, and I also, honestly, the briefcase itself had a lot of inspiration for me. Um, I don't know how many people re remember that one Iron Man suit that's connected to the briefcase. And it has um, in one like still image uh, the chain connected 
to it that has a cuff that presumably goes on Tony's hand. And I remember seeing that and being like, how is this not BDSM? <laughs> like, I, I just saw it as like, the briefcase itself, like, led a lot of ideas. Because I saw Tony holding this briefcase, there being like a handcuff and a chain. And these like images are, to me, already were very... Um, like indicative suggestive. Of, yeah, yeah suggestive and so when I saw it and then I put it into this dynamic of like Steve seeing it on Tony and then Tony seeing Steve's reaction to it I it, the dynamics kind of fell into place when I had already in the background like Steve wanting to let go and submit um so it, it kind of fell into line with, you know I'm thinking for the first time I'm realizing that that image, that first image that inspired the whole thing is Tony with the handcuff on, which is kind of like, in some ways, inherently submissive. Like you could view that as submissive to the Iron Man armor in the, yeah, in the briefcase. And, that's, and yet that's no, not totally. how it got interpreted when it By came me, to, yeah, and yeah. I, I think that the reason that I didn't interpret it that way is because I was already really um, intrigued by this idea the of dynamic, yeah. wanting to submit. And then, so when he saw it and he was interested in the, the way that it looked, it was like he didn't even really know why he was interested in it, but Tony knew. So, yeah. you know. so Ferret, is that a similar as to why you were intrigued to this world that you guys created together or is there a different entry point for you? Uh, yeah, I don't think that I'd read a lot of BDSM, or at least I hadn't sought it out, really. I I can't really remember if I had any particular feelings about it either way. Um, and as we know, hashtag goldfish, I have no clue what fix I had read before <laughs> that point in time, which was, it was far along in my reading of Marvel, but it was still fairly early in my writing of Marvel. I think I had seven fix published when Ashley and I met, so... That was pretty, that was pretty early on. Yeah, and like a few of them were not even stony. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the only one that wasn't was um, Rex. Oh, then never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. I already said on the pod that my first fic was not stony. My first Marvel fic was not stony, so. Oh, and mine was right. I had the, so it's all okay. I had Doctor Who ones on there. Yeah, you had Doctor yeah. Who ones, too. Okay, you were right. Because <laughs> um, I remember being like, oh my god, Doctor Who and Marvel. <gasps> It's like I was flirting directly with you, basically. Well, so it, how it started for me was we were talking a lot and we were baiting for each other already. And we had other friends that we talked about stuff with, but we would often brainstorm things together. And um, Ashes came home drunk from her happy hour, as she says, and just started describing it. And me and our friend Herman were just like, yeah, great idea. Go for it. Write it. And I baited it and she posted it pretty quickly. And then it was not long later, like less than two weeks later, the, she decided to make it a series and the, the next one went up. And I just got that muse thing where it's not up to you and an idea just beams into your head fully formed. And I was taking what I call a ferret nap, which is Fun fact for everyone listening, ferret can't take naps. I cannot sleep during the day. It's physically impossible for me to do so. So my ferret naps are just lying with the lights off and my eyes closed and wishing I was sleeping. Um, but I write a lot during those. So I had a ferret nap and I wrote in that an entire episode of Held. It's the shortest one, I think the shortest one I did, maybe not the shortest one overall. 
It might be. And it just came out of me fully formed. And I think that like, because Ashes had already formed the dynamic, I was like convinced already. I didn't have to sort of engage with why at all because I had that evidence in front of me already. And I just ran with the world that she'd already built. And then of course, over three years, we like added a lot more to it, but. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting because when it came to, to held, um, I had expected it to be small little bursts, kind of like little M&Ms of, of fanfic. Yeah. And then, um, so it kind of just made sense and was really easy that like Ferret could throw in her M&M. Like there wasn't really this um, like actual like uh, big trajectory that yeah, I was yeah. really like going for. I just knew I wanted it to be little snippets of different uh of kind of like at first the the forming of a of a bd or a ds relationship should i call them a ds relationship or bdsm because i actually i feel like they're a ds relationship that has other elements that umbrella under bdsm that's a really good place actually to step back because we are using a ton of different letters and terms and everything else like that so Would you guys give us, and also let's just say this, the world of BDSM in fandom, which has become this like umbrella of everything that is basically not missionary style heterosexual <laughs> sex in some ways. Everything that kind of falls under that, like, so listeners understand we are not talking about practicing of this in offline life. We are speaking about it in terms of fandom. So in terms of fandom, would you guys kind of give us the basics of what this world is. Yeah, it's, um, it is, I have to do think it's become sort of an umbrella term, probably for all the kinks that I would say fall under power play or power dynamics. I think and, that's probably, and sex toys sometimes. Just kind but don't of you think there has to be like a power element to the use of the sex toys for people to consider it BDSM? Yes, I, I do think that. I think that some sex toys or some sexual, um, equipment even has like an inherent inherent, yeah that's like ds element yeah so there's like well the definition of bdsm itself is bondage dominance submission and masochism sadism masochism and i don't and there's also different definitions too because some people say that the s is submission some people say that it's sadism and i think that like if you go to like wikipedia it almost like kind of does like a venn diagram so like the d stands for both discipline and domination and and it just becomes this like very umbrella um term to kind of take like a dominant submission role and also discipline sadism and masochism and i think that like the um, fandom itself doesn't necessarily care about like kind of using all of those in one fic like if they just have a a role playing where somebody where there's like a power dynamic they're gonna say that that's bdsm they're not just gonna say power dynamics and dominance you know like i think that there's also a bit of like just how fandom and how ao3 especially is is just works with like tags that you're more likely to throw on a tag that's more encompassing because you can i actually did um, a little, some, I crunched some numbers. Um, oh. So thanks for the segue, babe. <laughs> uh, You're very welcome. 
there are, so there are 35,000 fics that are tagged Steve Tony. We'll start with that. That's where, that's where we're starting from. So that's a lot. Of those, 1,000, and keep in mind that I just, I didn't search for any ands for this particular light look at statistics. So um, these are just, there may be overlap here. People may have tagged more than one of these tags, but these are just the total numbers for each of these tags. So 1,604 are tagged BDSM and then 951 are tagged DOMSUB. So it does seem like people are more likely to use the umbrella term of BDSM and maybe also sometimes use the DOMSUB tag as well. 470 are tagged bondage. So that's, you know, that's less than a third of how many were tagged BDSM. And then what I thought was really interesting was in terms of Dom, Tony Stark, Dom, Steve Rogers, sub Tony Stark and sub Steve Rogers, it's 162, 184, 180, 135. So it really doesn't vary oh, that yeah. much. Oh yeah, it's really um, even. It's pretty even, yeah. It's interesting. And I imagine that there's probably not very many tagged sadism or masochism. Like no, there, there might be a few, two, but, but yeah. I think people, people prefer, if I clicked on a fic that was tagged sadism or sadomasochism or anything like that, I would expect it to be pretty hard. Whereas mm -hmm. I think with BDSM, you're also incorporating a huge range of emotional power play that may have no physical control element or pain play or anything like that at all. You can have a dom-sub relationship without incorporating any physical tools into yeah. it at all. So speaking of the dom and sub relationships, I find it really interesting that Tony and Steve are interchangeable because like just as much as I can see how you guys have written held, I love the fix where it's the other way because uh, like somebody who, as somebody who has a job with a lot of disparate responsibilities, I can identify with Tony's need to shut off oh, yeah. as much as I can identify with a need to actually have control over something. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, I completely agree too that I think that even when I explain my own reasonings behind why one is one or the other, I can, I see, and also in my own reading, read them interchangeably. I am not somebody who's just, this is, he's always the sub, he's always the dom, because I do see in their personalities justifications and even people are interesting like some people like to switch both ways are supported by canon and by fanon and i wouldn't be like oh it feels out of character to read either of them in either capacity and we even within held um played with switching it up there's an episode where steve ties tony up and he really enjoys that and I think that it was important for us for held specifically that this was where their natural inclinations lay, but it was very much within the universe of held that this was Steve's desire was to mostly be submissive and the times that they switched was for fun. And Tony got pleasure from, from being in control of Steve. Because that's the, one of the interesting things about a DS relationship is that consent and power are at the core of it entirely. So nothing actually happens without the person in the submissive role consenting and giving power to the Dom to make those things happen. Power is not something that just exists amorphous. It's a choice and an exchange. And there's power in giving that 
um, permission and sort of power of yourself over to somebody. Like you have that power to create the boundaries of it. The character has the power to create the boundaries of the relationship that that they want to create. And I and I think that because everyone who is writing and creating fan um, works under the umbrella of BDSM can kind of interpret the characters their own way. It's really just such a rich avenue for kind of um, getting the psychological sexual involvement, however way and matchup and interaction you want, because you can justify it depending on how you write it or how you draw it or how you edit. When you're writing it from a character's point of view, it doesn't really, like the sexy part of writing sex is how you show how the character feels about it. So when you're exploring BDSM stuff, you can kind of take it anywhere. And as long as you write convincingly that the character enjoys it, it can get, you know, it can get pretty wild. I think we've written some stuff that like, I, I wrote one where um, uh, Steve's tied up with pieces of dental floss and he's not allowed to break them. And so he has to exhibit a huge amount of self-control not to break the pieces of dental floss. But dental floss is actually pretty hard to break. <laughs> and so in real life, that would not be fun because it would just dig into your skin. But it's the concept of dental floss as being easy to break that we have, like linguistically, that made it the necessary vehicle for that particular kinky moment. I'm thinking back to reading that chapter and realizing that, yes, I know that dental floss is like annoyingly unbreakable. Yeah. And yet in that moment, I 100% bought the fact that if Steve moved too quickly, he would break everything. Yeah, I, we talked about it and we tried to figure out if there was a better thing to use, but honestly, anything thin and thread-like that would make it clear it was easy to break from a conceptual standpoint would actually be fairly challenging to break. Like embroidery thread is specifically difficult. Yeah, and to like break. fishing line. Fishing like, line, hard to break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went through everything. And uh, in the end, it was, we thought the message that dental floss sent was more important than it actually, but then I had to put a disclaimer on it. Like, please don't tie <laughs> up your submissive with dental floss because it's painful and it's hard to break. And I did some tests. <laughs> so speaking of that, clearly there was research that went into this and a lot of thought <laughs> process. Um, and at one point offline in one of the conversations, either we had as a three, as like a a three-way chat or something else. You could say threesome. You can say threesome, yeah. <laughs> okay, just, I didn't want to be that person. Um, Someone has to say threesome first on the pod and it, it can be you. Oh, well, I'm fine with that. So uh, either as our threesome or in another conversation, you guys talked about having to do research into new kinks. Yeah, that was kind of the, f like in the beginning, we had a lot of ideas that just came from us and mm -hmm. we were exploring that. And it was a lot about what we were going to do to develop their relationship because the first like I don't know half of the first season first was, season yeah. yeah like all trying to get them to like falling in love and like yeah and like kind of setting their dynamic and their romance yeah. like and up we did explore a... them like their experience of figuring out what their boundaries were and what they were comfortable with and yeah and um, like what sort of assurances they needed yeah and, and what sort of um rule rules but also just knowing that like that this is special for each other and it's yeah. not just something that's like they're doing it and it's disposable we we spent the first half of the season kind of establishing both their romantic and sexual dynamic and then um as we continued there was a lot of sometimes sometimes the kink would lead 
the yeah. fic. We'd pick so, the kink first and be like, how can we write one about like, yeah, sounding like, or whatever? Exactly. Like I'm really into, I keep coming back to shared. I'm really into like sharing my partner today. Like, and I right, really right, want right. to write like one where Tony is sharing Steve. So I'm just like, how can we make this work without completely obliterating everything that we've created and, but still like making it true to them as the characters. And like, I really wanted to write Steve's first time penetrating somebody because he was in this the bread universe. Stick. The bread, the stick, bread stick. Yeah, he was like the, the um, in this universe, he, he hadn't before, he was a virgin. So uh, I wanted him to, to do that. So then I created the, the story that led that. Sometimes it was like, I really want to write a held. What should I write a held? Or like, we haven't, we have, oh God, we haven't posted a held in a long time. Let's dig through the list of kinks out there. And cause definitely as we went on and as we got past, like once it felt like their relationship was established, it became more and more about each episode being representative of some, some aspect of BDSM or some specific kink or some specific tool or something that they could use. Is there any uh, subject that you wrote on that kind of surprised you at either how difficult it was or how easily it flowed as a story? Was there any of those categories? There was definitely ones that like I was that were easier to write. Like I feel like I I liked uh like, but but then they were easier to write for different reasons. Like some were easier to write because it was just 400 words or 600 words of kink. And then others were, were harder to write because we created, there were a few that we created a whole plot. So some of them were just like harder to write because it, it not harder to write, but there was just more to writing them because they, they themselves just had more going on in them. Um, but I think that later as we were writing, uh, Ferret may agree or disagree, but I feel like it got, um, it, the thing that became the most challenging was how to stay fresh, how to stop, like how to not become repetitive. Yeah. Um, and then we were also like, <laughs> I don't want to say scraping the bottom of the barrel, but we'd hit, run out of the kinks that were natural, that came naturally to us to write about, the ones that we liked to read the most or the ones we felt really confident about. And we would solicit um, prompts from people and some of them were like, this is great, but I don't know how to write that or I don't know how to make that held. And we have a whole hutch of ideas that never got, you know, there were things that we thought of the idea and we tried it and it didn't work or um, it just, you know, someone had a passing thought or a passing scene moment and it just never turned into a full episode. And we also had our own preferences, I'd say. Like, I'm, I know I'm way more into... Um, like lingerie and like cross-dressing and things you like that. You got me into lingerie. I wasn't into <laughs> it before you. <laughs> yeah, I um, I definitely brought that. So anytime that like there were lacy panties involved or things like that, that was always something that I was spearheading. And then I feel like there's probably like sounding wasn't necessarily something that I was into, but yeah, I was like super was into. <laughs> so there, there was nice like... Um, like kind of balance there where it's kind of like well we can't like what should we write a held of like i'm really into this and then it's like cool write it and and then you kind of like don't have to you know write something that you're not necessarily totally into. but it was also cool because it gave us an opportunity to make gifts for people because all we had to do was be like okay what's your kink and they would mm -hmm. have something that they love to read that there wasn't enough out there of it or whatever and it'd be like all right how do we turn this into a held and we did that for some people 
Yeah. And then I'd like, I'd like to think of display encore, which is the sex club one as just like Ashley putting in as many yeah. <laughs> like major kinks that she has. Cause like I put in like a Sibian, I put in a St. Andrew's cross. I was like, this one's going to take. That like... was your backfill of everything that was left over. <laughs> we knew it was going to end at that point. And you're like, yeah. Oh, and I was like, I cool. I have to get out a good amount of kinks <laughs> right now. That one did feel like a lot was happening, not in a bad way, but it was uh, as a reader and somebody not in your heads, like I was reading all these kind of like one shot, one shot, like couple hundred words. And then we're, then there's a lot. And, it was <laughs> and then there's nice, like a 5,000 words, like kink throw. Look, yeah. people out in podcast land, if you want to make Ashy happy, just write a fic where there's a club of any <laughs> kind and there's dancing and probably drugs and she, and then sex and she'll love it. So put that some lingerie in there. a lot of my fixed it yeah because you write what you love yeah I'm not outing you babe everybody knows I mean you are what you write right yeah or you're not really <laughs> I hope <You> not <laughs> some of it some, some of it of is it. the trick is to not tell people which one mm-hmm. keep everybody guessing so mm-hmm. if it if you guys were going to give tips some advice to somebody who would like to start writing something within the umbrella, but is either afraid to start or intimidated by it. Is there anything that you would say to them? I would say read a lot of it. Like if you have the interest, I imagine that you are reading it. And I think that the more you read something, it kind of gets normalized. And then there's always that um that difficult part where you like go from reading something you like to like attempting to write it and I think that like my main advice for it would just be to just go for it and not worry that you're not doing it right because there's there's always you can write everything out and then read it and then kind of see like maybe I should add a safe word to the top and then you can just kind of like include that up like in edits, like the first, for all of my writing advice, the first thing to do is just get it out. And then as you kind of read it over and realize like, oh, you know, maybe I completely forgot to write how much this character's enjoying what's happening (laughs) to them. You can like kind of add that paragraph in later or like weave it into as you write it. And I think that when it comes to things like this and, and smut in general, it's really just getting used to writing the words like cock and cum and pleasure. And and there's these words that like, I I remember stumbling over. Like yeah. I remember when I first was writing them, I was like, it felt, I wanted to say every other word but cock. Like I wanted to say <laughs> length and member. And I'm just <laughs> like, no, like, like for me at least as a reader and as a writer, like that makes it more of a big deal than just- It's like you're skirting around something. Yeah than just like writing it and then it being what's happening as, as opposed to like taking you out of it because you're like trying to write around something. And I also think that like when it comes to topics like this where consent is involved, like a lot of people do get really gun shy because they are, are worried that they're going to not approach it correctly. And I think that it is important to remember that this is fan fiction. Like you don't have real individuals that you're actually manipulating into these situations. Like it's all fantasy. So like, let's say you do mess up and you forget to like include a conversation about like boundaries and stuff. Like it's not the end of the world. You didn't didn't just hurt hurt an individual. (laughs) You just didn't include it in your fanfic. And I think that, that it's actually a really good place to explore your own sorts of 
of interests in in different sexual avenues because you can just kind of write it out and be like wow I am into this I just wrote a thousand words of it cool yeah and there's no real world consequences so exactly you can explore it in whatever depth you want to and you've not put anybody out or put yourself in a dangerous situation that makes so much sense speaking of consent as well like it's kind of, that can be a hard thing because I think everybody's experience of, like everybody's concept of consent is a little bit different depending on where you're from and what kind of relationships you're in. Like Ashes and I are both in committed relationships and for us, the idea of consent can be a little less explicit than it is for people who are dating more casually and have to be more explicit about that. So I think that comes across in Hilt sometimes. And we did have some we had cases where readers completely disagreed about whether an, ep- an, an episode, as we called them, um, had enough consent or not. So Yeah, like we would have one episode where somebody was like, where's the consent? And another one that's like, the consent was really good, but it was the same episode. So th- there is a, a bit of like, it's if you yeah. feel like you've created a safe space for these characters, then move forward competently writing what it is you want to write for the characters to experience. And then uh, the only person that you really have to be like, I am happy with how this came out is yourself. So like, if you feel like the characters are in a safe situation and consent was made, or even, I mean, there is a whole aspect of this that, that likes to play with, with non-consensuals and you like can set those dynamics up too. And I think that it's just super important to realize that if you're trying to write this, you don't have to get everything right. Like you might, or you'd want to do if you are with a real other human being, because the stakes are just so much lower. This is fiction. This is a world to play in. And I think that a lot of people do kind of be like, well, I don't want anyone to get hurt. And it's like, well, they're not real people. So you you can hurt them a little bit. Or if you feel uncomfortable writing it that way, then like make sure that you include the things that make you feel comfortable then when the story is complete. Also from a writing perspective, reeling it back to just staring at that cursor. I think the thing, the primary thing that makes kink sexy to read is how the characters feel about it. So it doesn't really matter which kink you're writing or how, like what the, what the logistics of the BDSM game they're going to play or whatever, if one character is tying with another character, if the control is purely mental, if the character whose head you're in is finding it sexy and they're feeling safe and they're enjoying it, then that's what's going to come across to the reader and make it an enjoyable and tantalizing experience for them as well. So yeah, if you you're can struggling to describe the, the physicality of it, or if that starts to run out, then dig back into how it feels, not just physically, but emotionally, to be either in control or out of control. I think that's a great note to end on because fundamentally, isn't that what we're all trying to create is feelings and realities around the emotions of these characters that we have so deeply connected with. So Ferret and Ashes, thank you guys so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. And uh, we will see you again soon, I am sure. I don't know about you, but when we first started talking about this episode, I assumed we'd find a whole lot of BDSM AU fix. I did too, but when we checked AO3, we were really surprised to find that there were actually 84 Stony fix tagged with BDSM AU. 
I couldn't, I could 84. That would, that That's just it. seemed crazy. So for anybody who's listening and doesn't know the difference between a BDSM AU and then the kind of BDSM we just talked about that you guys wrote in Held, what is the difference? So BDSM AU is an alternate universe where people's, um, I don't even know what the right word is. Alignment is always what I try to use, but uh, it's, it's inherent. It's part of their biological imperative. It's similar to um, the alpha, beta, omega dynamic in that you are either a dom, a sub, or sometimes people include switches as well as part of who you are. Whether you know that right from when you're born or it's something that presents as you go through puberty, it is inherent. As we record this, there are 1,604 stony fix tagged BDSM in general, mm -hmm. and then 755 tagged as Alpha, Beta, Omega, but only 84, like we said, tagged as the BDSM AU. And this is fascinating to me, and I know to you as well, because the mm -hmm. world building between an, an ABO and a BDSM AU feel similar so to have this like giant range feels strange so we were puzzled listeners and so we did some research and thought about why this difference may exist and we're going to throw some of our ideas out to you yeah it was uh it was an interesting thing to find i they both involve power dynamics i think sort of inherently um and there's that biological imperative. So it didn't seem, I could understand trends ebb and flow, but it seems like a really dramatic difference in stats to have almost 10 times as many ABO fix as BDSM AU, especially when BDSM as a practice, as a kink seems to be fairly popular. It's more popular than ABO. And there's some flexibility when you write ABO that you get to define your own, your own world, your own aspects of the, the various secondary genders that people can have. Um, but it still comes down to some things that we all sort of agree are the basics to ABO. And if people went beyond that, it would be, I, I'd call it like an active twisting of the trope. Alphas are, are the powerful ones in society. They're biologically driven to mate omegas who are biologically driven to want that. Whether they go through heat or not, they're inherently designed to bottom basically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that involves some natural submission. I, I, obviously, a lot of people love to play with dominance and submission within ABO, so it's certainly not universal. But just looking at it as a general interpretation of the trope, there is that power dynamic difference there that in a lot of ways mimics central male-female power imbalance that we have in our society. Which I think is one of the reasons that people are drawn to ABOs, maybe over some BDSM stuff because that fun playing with gender, I know we talked about that with Saber last episode, because the in BDSM, the biological imperative to submit is not necessarily connected to like reproduction or anything else. It's, it's the submission is both sexual and non. And then when we add in too, in, a, in some of the BDSM AUs I've read, both in this fandom and outside of it, there's a soulmate element. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one true dom for a sub, et cetera, et cetera. Not always, but that seems to be a theme. But the word bonding is certainly used frequently mm -hmm. either in both ABO and BDSM. 
either on a soulmate level or to indicate the seriousness of a relationship. Like you see people talk about bond marks, both as soul marks and also as wedding rings. Mm -hmm. And then there are some BDSMAUs that also use the signing of a contract as a sign of commitment. Although that's more often used as part of the beginning of a relationship, just like you may have in a offline BDSM contracted relationship. There's also another similarity um, when we compare subspace or subdrop with an Omega's heat. And just to give some context here, I know not everybody knows what subspace is, especially looking at how small the tag is. Um, maybe it's not as much of a common thing. Subspace is actually real. It's not something invented for BDSM AUs. Um, it's certainly not something that every submissive has experienced or can experience, but the general idea is that in an act of submission, whether sexual or not, um, it's possible for a person to enter a sort of hyper-submissive headspace where it's often described as everything being very easy, very hazy, floaty. Uh, you get a laser focus just onto the person dominating you. What they want from you becomes the only important thing. Could be almost disassociative, but most people find that subspace is a positive thing. Uh, and that is a real-life occurrence that a lot of submissives in real life BDSM relation or DS relationships experience or seek out and is often something that you can only experience if you're with a dom that you really trust and can fully let go with. So that was obviously pulled through into BDSM fix as a way to show um, how comfortable the sub and dom were with each other, how relaxed the sub would be or how good the dom was for the sub. And then when we look at BDSM AUs, it becomes an, an inherent impulse that the sub needs to be put into subspace on a regular basis, or they'll start to feel sick, or they'll start to get distracted, or, you know, that's the kind of thing that's mostly up to the writer, but it's a, it's a common trope for subspace to be important. A lot of people also use subdrop as a flip side to that or the subdrop becomes the consequence for not being put into subspace often enough. And subdrop in real life usually happens at, after a scene, especially if the sub didn't get enough aftercare or didn't get the right kind of aftercare. And it suspected that it's, it's basically like um, the chemical, the same as when you, when you have a shock after a sudden event, like a car crash or something, and for a while you're kind of jazzed up and you can do anything, and then when the adrenaline crashes, you feel really horrible. Subdrop would be, you've hit that peak of submission, maybe orgasm, everything feels great, the pain has become pleasure, and then after that, that crash leaves room for negative thinking and self-hatred and some of the pain to come back and oftentimes is a place where you can start, if the aftercare wasn't given, that can be sort of a mental crash that happens as well as a physical crash. So sub drop was brought in as well into BDSM AUs as a possible consequence for not going into subspace. And that opens up all these possibilities for this poor sub who's been hiding that they don't have a dom, they've been trying to take care of themselves, it's a common trope for Tony, common trope for him is that he doesn't do the things for himself that he needs to do. So we often see him when he's a sub in these BDSM AUs. We see him not taking care of himself, um, locking himself in his office, refusing to seek out a dom, that kind of thing. And the consequence of, of that is maybe subdrop or slipping into subspace he can't come out of or whatever it may be. 
Um, and for me, I see a balance there as well with Omega's going into heat in ABO stories. It's often this biological need for an alpha, just like the subspace becomes a biological need for a dom. They need to be mated or knotted to feel better. Um, they need to be taken care of. And there isn't much generally that they can do for themselves. One of the other interesting differences between a BDSM AU and currently how a lot of the ABO fics are being written is that a dom is almost seen as the great savior of the sub in some way. And that is certainly when I look at kind of the history of ABO fics, that is how a lot of alphas were for omegas for a long time. But in more recent ABOs, especially within MCU in general and within Steve and Tony fics specifically, there's been a real playing with subverting the dynamics of the ABO worlds. There has not been, as we've already said, a drive to subvert the, do the Dom sub in the same way. And I think some of that is inherently because the point of the Dom is to fix everything, is to be the one in the world that this is created that can take care of the sub and that can just get things done. There was a lot of psychological and literary analysis that came out around Fifty Shades about why so many suburban American middle-class women were really drawn to this world. And a huge predominant theme among that was that people who have to make a million decisions every single day and never ever get to pass major decisions off to anybody else are deeply attracted in their fantasy life to somebody who will simply take care of everything and also will make their life perfect in a lot of ways. And you don't have to negotiate things. You don't have to tell them how to give you an orgasm. They already know. These kind of dynamics are, I think, inherent in being a dom and a sub versus the idea in an Alpha Omega is a little bit more flexible. And we, as a fandom, have been kind of mucking around with that a little bit more than we have in a BDSMAU. Because again, the Dom is the savior role in this kind of way. Now, what's particularly interesting is that all submission requires consent, whether it's unspoken and kind of inherent and that consent is taken from you by your biological parative, but you still have to, like, there's still fix out there. There's actually a really famous Stuckoni fic where Bucky is a sub and Steve and Tony are his doms. And this is like a soulmate situation. It's called Trinity. We'll link it in the show notes. But Bucky fights it and fights it and fights it and fights it and will not, even though biologically he's supposed to and he, he does get the sickness and all, kind of all this other stuff, he still fights it. So we still kind of play with this consent situation but not nearly as much as we do in some other tropes within fic. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting to compare that with ABO as well, because consent, I mean, consent is inherently kind of a hot topic no matter what. Like Ashley's and I said earlier, it varies from person to person, from society to society and situation to situation. If you've been in a relationship with somebody for 30 years, you don't have to necessarily give verbal consent every time you have sex, but if you text somebody on Tinder and you meet up, it's obviously super important that you make it clear what both of you are there for. So 
having the BDSM or the DS relationship be inherent can both make consent simpler and make it more complicated. I think it makes it simpler within the world, which makes it more complicated for us reading it. Because uh, a lot of times that inherentness can raise the question, is there consent in this? Was this consented to? And so one thing that is popular to do is, like you said, with that, with the Trinity fic, is to make that consent harder to get, to show that the doms are respecting that consent does have to take place, even though there's a biological imperative. And that can sort of put an extra, an extra shine on the doms to be like, look how great they are, even though they both want it so badly in, in their bodies, they're still waiting for their mind to agree to it as well. And we see that in um, ABO fix as well, but perhaps one of the reasons that people have trended towards ABO over BDSM AU is that there's more scope to play with when the inherentness is purely about sex in ABO, whereas in a BDSM AU, the inherentness isn't entirely affects their relationship on every level. The submission isn't necessarily just sexual. So you could have perhaps an omega who tops or an omega who's very dominant, two omegas together, two alphas together. And that's something a lot of people have explored. With BDSM AU, maybe we're a little more restricted or the idea of a bratty sub, which would be a sub who doesn't always go down easy or doesn't always take commands easily, feels like it has less scope. I feel like there's a, there's a lot here. There's a lot of potential that as much as we like to play with ABO as a gendered concept, I think, I think DS has potential in, in the ways that it's more separated from that. And I'm really surprised that it was only 84 fix out there. I mean, maybe there's also a couple of other tags people have used, but you know, in general, it's, it's a, it's a general idea and 84, it's really not a lot for a ship as big as Stony. So why aren't they writing it? You know, we've kind of explored yeah. some of the differences. I was talking to one of our pot staff and Co, who is our graphics maven, was saying that she reads a lot of long fix and has read a lot of BDSM fix, and all of the ones that she has read are E, whereas ev like ABO runs all four ratings. Right. And so I think there's some of that. I wonder too if people feel like they have to know the DS world significantly more to write it than to write an AU. Then like and the ABO world is not hard to dip your foot into. So maybe the barrier yeah. to entry feels bigger and more intense. And ABO is not real at all. I mean, as yeah. much as it reflects some realities for people, it's not real. So it's harder to say like, oh, you did this wrong. Cause it's like, this is just my interpretation of it. But there could be a real fear there of misrepresenting what a DS relationship is or should be. I know that would certainly be one of my, I would want to do a whole lot of research and world building and I love world building. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> of, of, and for anyone keeping a list at home of the ways that Flame and Ferret are different, you can add that Flame loves world building and Ferret is allergic to it. I hate it. Don't ask me about the politics in, in my fix or like, you know, what people's last names are. <laughs> it's not happening. Whereas I've created what their first dance song was at their wedding. And yeah. Um, I can't do it. <laughs> 
So, but maybe that's why I have written a BDSM AU and I loved it and I'd like to write more. And I was told, I'm totally intimidated to, but this entire, this conversation has inspired me to try. But the kink thing is like the E-rated thing is interesting too, because I, I can totally see your point that you could write a G-rated ABO fic, no problem. But the idea of doing a G-rated BDSM AU, I can, you know, I think people should, but I can see why the answer would be like, well, you know, it's a, it's a kink. It is expressly a kink that people do in a kinky way. And while non-sexual submission is a real thing, and actually when I did a BDSMAU, most of it had no sex. I can see how one's first view would be like, oh, this is a, this is an E-rated bedroom thing. Yeah. Like I'm th- sitting here thinking like I've written a couple ABO fix and I think at least one of them was like just pure domestic fluff. Like, yeah. I ha- would have no concept of how to do domestic fluff DS off the top of my head. Yeah. What about like clothes control? That's a great non-sexual submission option. Ooh. Or um, foot washing, cleaning, human furniture. That doesn't have to be sexual. No. I put it, I was asked to put it in a fic once and, or it suggested to me and yeah, I ended up doing a bunch of research for it. And uh, yeah, I didn't find a lot of examples in fan fiction. I had to go into real life research. One of the great things about the internet and kink education on the internet is that there are so many places to find that kind of thing. Like you were able to go into these real life, offline, I hate using real life, offline dynamics of people who do this within their relationship. And if listeners, if you're curious, there is so many resources out there. We've linked to a few on our lexicon for other BDSM categorical things but if you're looking for more information on human furniture or on non-sexual submission or on sexual submission there are a lot of places out there some are dubious so please be careful but a lot are written by practitioners who are very very fiercely protective of the ethics of this world and some are even on things like i've seen some things on twitter and on tumblr where people are very very open about the specific dynamics within their DS relationship. Speaking of social media, we did a, we, we did a Twitter poll because we wanted to know what you guys thought. And there is an appetite for BDSM AUs, even though they're not really being written. Sure, 65% of people said that they preferred the bedroom kink version of BDSM. So just normal humans or normal superheroes who practice BDSM. But that's still a pretty solid chunk of people who selected BDSM AUs, you know, over third. And many, many, many people sobbed everywhere that they could get in touch with us to let us know that they were completely devastated that they couldn't choose both as an option, which we did know that that was likely to happen and we did not put both there (laughs) for a reason. But there's a thirst out there. So whether you are interested, like we've said, in in writing it as a kink or writing it as non-sexual or writing it domestic or anything, if you are into playing with the power dynamics of dom and sub, please know that people are desperate for your fix. So get writing. Pump up that tag. segments, we are going to introduce a few new ones. First up is Flames Soapbox, in which I will share some of my feelings about a particular topic that would make me type in caps lock on the server because (laughs) my feelings are that large. And today, 
today's is about what is going to happen as you are listening to this potentially, or as this episode drops, it will be March the 15th. And on March the 17th, there is an international holiday that we all know and love called St. Patrick's Day. I'll admit that this isn't the topic I was expecting to hear from you, but I'm very excited to know what you have to say. So I have so many feelings on this fair, and part of this is because I lived on the island of Ireland for five years. Mm-hmm. And I learned that we, especially in the United States, oh, America, have a really difficult time understanding how to shorten the word, the name Patrick. Ah. So Patrick does not shorten to Patty, P-A-T-T-Y. It shortens to Patty, P-A-D-D-Y, because the Gaelic is Padraig. So whenever you're going around and you're seeing these things that say St. Patty's Day, what you are doing is celebrating a hamburger. (laughs) You are not celebrating a saint. There's plenty of reasons to celebrate a hamburger, but there probably are no St. Hamburger Patties. And if they are, Tony has already crowned them, I'm sure, in his cheeseburger love. But one of the things that we have in this fandom is kind of a, like, fanon headcanon that Steve is, that Sarah Rogers was an Irish immigrant. Mm-hmm. I love writing about this. I actually just wrote a fic called Shrove Tuesday in um, in the Potts stocking stuffer. I wrote it, um, a, a fic about Steve dealing with being an immigrant's child and kind of what that looks like and all of that. And I love exploring that, again, because I lived there, but also because I love so many elements of so many things. We can, we as a fandom are really great at taking characters that we have so, so little of, because even in the comics, we get very little of Sarah Rogers and just finding ways to bloom them and expand them and dive into them. It's amazing. It's like, we just take these people and make them these giant, beautiful onions. I love it. Um, Yes. And I love, I mean, I think pretty much I officially headcanon that Steve is some level of some sort of Irish American. So as an Irish American, if you are writing a St. Patrick's Day fic, I will tell you right now, Stephen Grant Rogers would spell the day correctly. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be a pedant about it. <laughs> so we're going to link a really funny doodle in our show notes by a really great artist named Twisted Doodles. This goes around the internet every St. Patrick's Day. I giggle every single St. Patrick's Day. And it pretty much tells the difference between a hamburger patty and a saint. But I would encourage you just as somebody who has to listen to Mr. Mr. Flame rant about this every single St. Patrick's Day. And I firmly believe Steve would too. I'm giving you a plot bunny. That is what I'm giving you right now. Is pedantic Steve Rogers. Flame's Flames giving you pedantic pedantic Steve Rogers complaining about spelling. What I'm getting from this is I want to see some kind of fic that combines Patty and Patty. Like I want to see something with hamburger patties and St. Patrick's Day. I haven't fully rounded it out yet, but I'm sure you guys can run with this. So make us both There's a crack fic in this somewhere in which there are hamburger patties fighting about this. We're we're circling it. We're circling it. Circling it. I'm not a good crack fic person. But there are people that are in the ear shots of this. I like to think spell. someone someone today, right in this moment, just had a, a wonderful feeling of creative bloom. And I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Please, please gift it to us. Yeah. So they add us on social media, something, anywhere. Let us know. 
to cheer flame up again, we're going to hear from you guys in a mini segment we like to call Community Talks. So if you leave us a comment, send us an ask, maybe we'll have a reply on Twitter. We're going to read some of that stuff on air so everyone can hear what you thought about the episode and if you had anything you wanted to add. So one of the comments this week that really made us proud, I'm just going to say it, it made us proud, was when Ashes recognized that it sounded like a local news program, but the neighborhood is stony. <laughs> because, like, that's exactly that's what, what we we're going, going for. for. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the, that's the tone. And we hope we can keep that tone going throughout the show. So if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, if it's fun for us to do it that yeah, way. Yeah, like a local news, but the neighborhood is stony and there will be porn. Yeah, yeah, they can't say, they can't say cock on the local news. And yet here it will flow freely. Here we are, cocks everywhere. Cocks a go-go. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this is our first kink episode, so let's lean in. Yeah, might as well. We had several lovely comments on the website, but another one that stuck out was from Fried Chickenisha, who said, I'm loving this. I'm sure I've read almost all the fic mentioned in this episode, but you can be sure that I'm going to be going on to read them all again. And I love that because... As much as we, Flame and I, love digging into the thought stuff and analyzing things and the interviews and everything, it's super wonderful to look at those show notes and know that people are clicking those links and going to AO3 and not just finding new stuff, but rereading stuff that they already knew they loved just because we brought it up again. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll tell you, the, my favorite comments I ever get are the ones that say, I'm rereading this because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm worth your time twice. Right. There's nothing better. It's like you already have the whole story in your head. You know what happens and you still want to go back and read it. One of the biggest compliments you can get as a writer. Absolutely. It wasn't just delightfully on the website that we got, but we also got some really kind things on Twitter after we posted the first episode at I love you 3000, which is Aww. obviously the best Tumblr, the best <laughs> Twitter handle ever said that this was so interesting and fun to listen to. Love how much work you guys are putting into this. Thank you. We're also recognizing how much work we're putting in. Thanks so much. It doesn't feel like work because it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. I'm largely joking, but we're having the time of our lives if you haven't seen us flailing all over the place already. And then also at That's My Secret said, listening to the inaugural ep of Pot on the Suit and Saber CMC gives a great interview. Super engaging, interesting, and full of insights into fandom and fic. So Saber, shout out specifically to you, Mrs. Our first interview, and she nailed it. It was wonderful. Absolutely not. Everybody had wonderful things to say about that as well. Oh, and didn't you you get a sweet ask on your Tumblr as well? Oh my gosh. I screenshotted this thing so fast, I think my phone (laughs) cracked. Really, really lovely. It's uh, Dear Flame and Ferret, I was having a truly awful day today but I downloaded the podcast and listened to the first half whilst driving around. Pause. I love the use of the word whilst. Great job. Yeah. very. Bad. And I just wanted to say how much it lifted my mood. I joined POTS a little while ago and have been too overwhelmed to introduce myself and mm-hmm. listening to you speak gave me the most lovely impression of you, the server, fandom, and just warmed my whole day. Oh, that's so nice. So and I replied anon, but if you haven't seen it, please come and say hi on either POTS or in our server. We know that Discord can be super intimidating, like we said in the first episode, but we would love to get to know you and thank you, uh, Avatar to Avatar. Yeah, and I've actually, I've seen people coming into the server since the episode and other servers as well that I'm in and the response has been so positive from the people who are already there just trying to welcome people and, and get them involved. So I think that 
you know, hopefully we sort of hate it on two fronts that, you know, we can remind the people who are already there and having a great time that it's really scary to be the new person, but also encourage the new person that it doesn't take very long before you're not the new person anymore. I saw somebody on our server today and I was really excited. Some, or maybe it was even POTS, I can't remember, but somebody said, oh, this sounds like an inside joke. I don't, I'm not on the inside of. And somebody very, just really quickly was like, here's what it is. And now you're on the inside. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of Discord. Just ask. And, you know, people love to talk about the wacky history of their group of people that they love. Mm-hmm, um, and the other thing about that ask that I love is that we said in the first episode that um, as long as with our writing, we were talking about our writing, that if we made one person's day, it was totally worth it. And to know that someone was having a bad day and then just listening to the podcast made their day a little bit better, that's 100% makes whatever time and effort we put into this totally worth it. Absolutely. When I said I cried in the reply, I did. I really, really did. It was very touching. And just thank you for taking the time to tell us that you are appreciating this. We as authors don't always get the opportunity to say thank you to comments for a whole lot of reasons. So here, Farrah and I say thank you, all of you for listening so far, for giving us a go on this weird and wonderful experiment, and then for being so enthusiastic And with your comments and your praise, it's been delightfully overwhelming. Really wonderful. It feels feels great to know that people are enjoying it. Um, So yeah, if you want want to be read on air or you just want to send us love, there are so many different ways you can do it. But additionally, we're starting to get into some meaty stuff on this episode and future episodes. So we want to hear what you think about that too. Do you have an opinion on BDSM AU versus ABO AU? hit us up, let us know. We have Sony Secrets as well, which I'll explain in a minute, Um, but you can leave comments, you can hit up our social media, uh, you can just email us, hotonasuit at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, while we're on the topic of the website where you can leave those comments, I also wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown how we've set up these episode posts so you can navigate them to the best of your ability. Uh, you'll always see our cover artist at the top. Um, and if you'd like to be a cover artist for an episode, we would love to hear from you. We have a form on our website. It's very easy to fill out. Um, it just helps us keep organized uh, where you can let us know you don't have to make a special piece for the episode. You can pick one of your own pieces or just send us your portfolio and we'll pick one of your pieces. And uh, just let us know that you'd like to be a cover artist. We will link the specific art post will link to your portfolio and will link to any other you've got a coffee or commission information or patreon we'll add that as well so we would love 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 to showcase the amazing artists hard to do on air so we're doing it this way (laughs) then you'll see the full episode and underneath it we've gone ahead and tagged sort of broadly what is covered in the episode but if you want more specifics if you scroll down past the show notes you'll see each segment has a little bit of um, those italicized tags underneath. And that's our attempt to give you an idea of what you're gonna listen to. We don't want anyone to listen to something that they don't wanna listen to. And we've divided it up into segments to give you the freedom to skip certain parts, to listen to certain parts, to listen to things out of order. And also some people may have limited space on their phone to download things or limited time. And it gives you some nice clear breaking points. You'll be able to see how long each segment is and they all start with music and end with music so you have a a nice bookend there but the tags should also give you an idea of what you're getting into if there's a topic you're not comfortable with you can skip it 
uh, we will not be tagging safe for work and not safe for work because we do feel that the whole podcast should be considered not safe for work, as in you should not have it blasting on your speakers in an office with other people, we might say cock. But we will tag the segments as sexually explicit if they go beyond basically some dirty language. So if you're not comfortable with discussing deeper sexual content or explicit uh, sexually explicit language going into details about sexual scenes and fix or um, sex itself, uh, we will tag that those episodes with that. So you'll be able to either skip them or listen to them when you're not on the bus and everyone won't see you blushing. And if you do work in an office where you could actually play it really loudly, could you let us know? Because we'd really love to hear about your work life. I would love to know that. I work alone, so I can easily listen to it on my headphones. But yeah, I want to hear about the, the office that listens to this podcast as a group. Please, please tell us stories. While we're on the topic of hearing from you, we also have a new feature on our website that we're hoping you guys are going to like. We've called it Stony Secret. And if you go to our participate tab on, at podonthesuit.com and you look at the bottom, there's a form there called Stony Secret. These are anonymous messages that you wanna submit specifically with the intention of us reading them on air. We can't promise we're gonna read everything, but we're gonna filter through them and pick the ones that we think are gonna work best. You can submit a secret, a confession, a love note for someone else in fandom. Maybe you're a secret admirer and you want to send a little affection or pretty much anything else you can think of. We're going to read them during these mini segments at the end of the episode or during community talks. All we ask is that you please stay positive. This isn't a place to rant, call anyone out, spill the tea or spread some salt around. As always, ship character, kink bashing and shaming will not be tolerated nor will any personal attacks against any real human being, either in this fandom or without. So please don't send us messages about how much you hate a certain actress or how somebody in a ship made you upset. <laughs> That's not what they're for. We want to spread a little anonymous positivity. Maybe hear some confessions from you guys. Things like, why don't you tell us the silliest place you've gotten caught reading fan fiction? Or the weirdest thing you searched on Google so that you could write a story. Or maybe the last place you read porn and nobody knew that's what you were doing. Go to our website, click on participate, go to the bottom, click Stony Secret and tell us your secret. One of the best things about fandom is that there's so much of it. And that's also one of the worst things. So we thought we'd help narrow down some recommendations for art and podfic and fic and fan vids on the specific topics we'll be covering on the pod. I don't know about you all, but sometimes when I'm trying to find a new fic to read, I feel like I'm diving into this vast ocean of AO3 and I will never surface with the thing that I really want. And especially for new folks like me, sorting by kudos isn't always the most helpful because our fandom has been around forever. And kudos could be there because it's old or because it's good or because it's both or because it's neither so it hit a trend in a moment yeah like like before i showed up everybody seemed to be super into coffee shop au's that's great uh there's a lot of kudos on those 
so in a in a way that we're not reading them right now there's been a lull a lot, which is kind of sad because I actually really, really love them. So anyone wants to write me at Coffee Shop AU, you just let me know. Yeah, same here. <laughs> but oh, there yeah. are it trends, it comes and goes. There's fads. It's it's I wish somebody would do some statistical analysis on that, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Oh the the way that uh tropes come and go is utterly fascinating. There's a thesis there. Someone out there is looking for their PhD and I just gave it to you. You are welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome, universe. universe. <laughs> <laughs> so the one of the ways that we would like to serve the fandom in this way, and not just Stony, but the Steve and Tony bicycle fandoms, is to create topic-specific recommendation lists that will be collated on our Discord server in collaboration with whatever a topic is that we're covering on the pod. So for instance, this week we were talking to Ashes and Ferret about BDSM, and so we solicited recommendations on the discord server for bdsm fan works of all sorts of any steve or tony ship including polly for sure so it, there were fan vids that we asked for we asked for pod fix we asked for fanfic we asked for art and then lovely marie our incredible mod marie has come in um and collated it into a spreadsheet that we'll link in the show notes on the website so that you can find kind of this collated, hey, you like this particular topic, you like this particular trope, you like this particular kink, start here. And if you're someone who likes to share recs, maybe you're great at keeping bookmarks, you've got lists at home sort of by topic, uh, please, please join our server and be one of those people that contributes to the list. Yes, because there are other people like me and Ferret who go, oh, we really like fanfic. And then we forget to bookmark things. Hashtag goldfish. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to create a system to be a little bit better because I like do love things that I read. And then I'm like, I become that, that person in a bookstore that's like, it had a red cover. So yeah. we are de desperately relying on the rest of you to help us help the rest of fandom in a way. Definitely. And if you especially if you find some hidden gems, maybe further down on the kudos list, on the hits list, maybe something new that kind of got buried uh, or part of an event where it was a big event and a lot of stuff got posted at once. It's always hard to get attention on event fix. Um, these are fix that we want you to share because they, maybe they missed their shot uh, to have that, that attention on them. And this is the perfect time to showcase them. Absolutely. So the reckless that's going with the episodes is a Steve and Tony bicycle experience, which means any person with either Steve or Tony in a pairing. You can also wreck Genfix that features Steve and Tony as main characters. Correct. However, we are also collating a master recommendation fan fiction list for Stony exclusively. This is going to be an ongoing, always open project, and you can contribute to it by filling out the form on our website, potonthesuit.com, and um, submitting the information about that fic. It'll then, it'll then appear on the public spreadsheet that everybody can access, and there are filter and view options available there, so you can sort it down to the specific type of Stony Works you're looking for. It's taking the availability on AO3, but also kind of subverting it just a little bit so that maybe we can continue to highlight some really, really great works of all ships, but particularly for ours in this way in the Stony ship that 
like Ferret said, fly under the radar for any number of reasons. It's a really active ship and has been for a really long time. There's tons of events all the time, as you guys are learning, if you don't know already, from our lovely events forecast with Marie. And so it's real easy to get lost. And we don't want that to happen. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that really good stony fic gets the attention it deserves. AO3, you can filter a lot of different ways, but this particular filter is through actual people who are engaging with these stories. So it gives you a little bit of a different perspective when you're trying to sort these massive, massive results and get something that's going to suit you. And one of the things that's the option on the Stony Master Reckless is for people to tell us why they're recommending it. And I'll be honest, that's actually one of my favorite things about reading other people's bookmarks sometimes. Yeah, it, that can be really fun. The people that are like, listen, this thing, it just made me feel things and I love how they craft this. And if you are somebody who reads like in books and things and you're part of book clubs, like that's the beauty of that. And we don't have that as much in fandom. So we're trying to create that space as well is this ability to kind of gush. <laughs> and say, I really loved it for this reason. Please, please, you must read this fic. Yeah, if you've ever wanted to put a sticky note on one of the fics on AO3, so when people scroll by, they see your little neon scribble, please read this, this is your chance to do that. And we're super grateful to everybody who's contributed to it so far, and all the people who are going to continue to contribute to it. Uh, we can't wait to see what you guys turn up. I'm sure... Um, a lot of the features for our segment called The Plug, where we do more of an in-depth review on a particular work, a lot of those works are going to come from that list, I'm sure. Hi, fandom! Murray here to tell you all about what goes on challenge-wise in a Marvel fandom near you in our event forecast. A little note before I start with the current events, you'll be able to find everything I mentioned in this forecast linked and explained in the show notes of each episode over on potondesuit.com. Alright, so now for the fun stuff. From March the 29th to April the 4th, you are invited to celebrate Sam and Steve for the Sam Steve anniversary week of their first joint screen time in Civil War. It is a prompt-based event like any other ship week. The Polish ship bingo is opening a new phase of signups for the current round as well, so if you ship our boys with a third, a fourth, or an endless string of polycules, be that with Bucky or Nat or even Gamora, this is the bingo for you. The signups for the third round of the Bucky Barnes bingo are also ongoing and will be so until March the 31st, with cards going out between April the 1st and April the 5th. Another exciting event that comes year-round in writer communities at large is Camp NaNoWriMo, which takes place during the whole of April and is an occasion for everyone to stretch themselves a bit with less pressure than with November's NaNoWriMo, since you get to set your own word count goal during camps. The brag bucket of the pot server is right around the corner as well, since it will happen next weekend. So again, if you're a member of the server, get ready to throw some love at yourself for a change. And if you aren't, there's still plenty of time to join. As a reminder, the following events accept signups or fails for the entire duration of, the, of their rounds, or close to. That is to say, the MCU King Bingo, the Cap Iron Man Bingo and Common Bingo, the Cap Iron Man Kink Meme and the Tony Stark Bingo. 
All relevant info can be found on their respective blogs, which you'll find linked in the show notes of our first episode. This has been your advanced forecast. I'll see you next episode and happy shipping. Thanks, Marie. And that's a wrap on episode two. Thanks again to Ashes for the great conversation and to Pudding Pong for the art. Thanks to everyone on the podcast Discord for helping with the rec list. And thanks again to Marie for putting together the rec list <laughs> for the events forecast and to the rest of the podcast team for basically being themselves. And thanks to you for listening. And we'll catch you next time for episode three. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us. 